0: I'm excited about what Jesus is doing in this house. Real quick, one verse of scripture. I'm going to let you be seated. John chapter 13, verse 35. Jesus says this, by this, everybody say this. All will know that you are my disciples if, everybody say if, you have love one for another. Father, I ask that your word come alive in our hearing. Let your word come alive in our hearts. Your presence is already in this house. And I ask that you would clear away all the cobwebs of life and all the cobwebs of of distraction and just fill us with your spirit today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, and you can be seated. I I am excited about where God is taking us. How many of you are already loving October? Praise God. I'm glad that September is over, and I'm I'm praying that in Jesus' name. We get to keep cool weather for at least two more weeks before we get the heat of November that we normally get in Louisiana. But God is doing good things, amen? I want to say welcome to all of our family in Kenya, all nine locations of our Kenyan church. Come on, let's give them a welcome right now. Praise God. And then all of our family in the nation of Albania getting ready for Nola Church Lodge, Albania. Let's give them a welcome, praise God. And we are closing out our series that we started to celebrate our 10th birthday, closing out the first decade of NOLA Church earlier in the month of September, and looking forward to where God is taking us. We've been in a series that we've titled We Are NOLA, and this is less about the name of the church and more about who we are as a community. And we've learned a lot about what it means to be a believer and also what it means. What it doesn't mean to be a believer. And a lot of people get fixated on religious ideas. They get fixated on all these other things. But what does the Bible say about being a believer? And you can really sum up what the nature of a true believer is by Jesus' statement that we've just read out of John 13, 35. It said, people are going to know that you're my disciples, not because of how well you preach, not because of how well you sing, not even necessarily because the clothes that you're wearing or the car that you're driving or where you live or what you do. I, I, I want you to understand that people are going to know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. If if your life is closed off, it doesn't matter what you say you believe, your beliefs are not making their way into the actions of your life. And we've been unpacking this, so let me encourage you, go to nolachurch.com or look us up on our YouTube channel, and you can get caught up on all the sermons. For the fifth part of this series, I'm just titling today, Difference. Everybody say, Difference. And we've been doing a how-to. Se- Man, I can tell y'all are already a little nervous about where we're going. Y'all not preaching with me yet. Everybody say difference. difference. No, say it like you're going to preach. Say difference. difference. There we go. We've been doing a how-to series where I've been giving you some things that you can actually unpack in your day-to-day lives. And today is how to be a different kind of church. How to be a different kind of church We're located in New Orleans, which we are in the South, but the mindset and the culture of the city of New Orleans does not align with the vast majority of what we call the Bible Belt, which is what the South is known for. New Orleans kind of stands alone and has a culture of its own, and there are things about that culture that are really cool, and and, hey, let's celebrate that, but let's be real, y'all. There's a lot of things about the culture of New Orleans that ain't real godly. There's a lot of things that don't align with the Word of God. And there's a lot of churches that even though we're not necessarily like the Bible Belt South, there are a lot of churches in the city of New Orleans. In fact, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, every major religion that we see throughout the world has a legitimate expression within this city all the way from various types of Christianity, all the way to liturgical ceremonial worship, to to Judaism, to Satan worship. There's even a Satanist church in Mid-City. How many of y'all did not know that? Don't go visit them. That's weird. I I don't know how the Satanist church, like the Bible says greet your brother with a holy kiss. At the Satanist church, do they just slap each other? I don't really know. I I don't know what they do. Like, we, we, I love you, God. I hate everybody. I, I don't know what they do. I, that's weird. I can make fun of them. It's the devil. You can make fun of the devil. The Bible says that when we see him, we're, we're going to say, like, this is the dude that's been messing with us? I, I'm going to go ahead and practice and make fun of the devil now. Amen? But the, the, every kind of church, every type of faith expression you can imagine has a legitimate expression in the city of New Orleans. But what does it mean to be a biblical church? Does it mean that we follow a certain methodology? Does it mean that we adhere to a certain theology? Does it mean that we're a part of a certain denomination or intentionally not a part of a certain denomination? What does it mean to be a truly biblical church? And what I want to challenge us with as we move into our second decade, getting ready for our next series, which is starting next Sunday, learning about the kingdom of God and what that really means is I want us to understand that God is not calling us to simply be a part of another religious organization. God is not designating that the members of this family that we call NOLA Church, he is not designating us to just be other believers that just go through the motions and check the box and then move on, that live lives outside of church differently than the way that we worship. God is calling us to be a different type of community and that's what we're diving into. And over the past few weeks, we've learned that the church that serves as our model in Acts chapter 2 and the rest of the book of Acts, which is where the model for the modern day church begins, we see that there were three commonalities that they had. There was unity, there was devotion, and there was evidence. I don't have time to re-preach all this, but there was unity, there was devotion, And there was evidence. If your faith does not have unity with the rest of the people in your community, your faith is not founded in God. If your faith is not devoted to every word that comes out of the mouth of God, let me just tell you, your faith is not rooted in God. And if there is not a quantifiable evidence that your faith is connected to the power of the Holy Spirit, your faith is not in God. It doesn't matter what you say you believe, this is what we see in the Bible as the foundation of the church. There were also three powerful results that we've studied over the past few weeks that we see in the early church that in Jesus' name we will also see in our midst today, The first thing that is the result of the unity, devotion, and evidence is that they lived in common. Everybody say in common. common. Which simply means there were no variations of belief. There were no variations of devotion. There were no variations of evidence. Now that does not align with today, right? Today, we, we just pick and choose what part of the Bible we like. Oh, I, I don't really adhere to that. That's not what they taught me at my last church. That's not what I've grown, I've learned growing up that I'll just pick this. I like this part of God. I don't necessarily like that part of God. But that's not what we see. They lived in common, but not just in their belief system. Their lives were lived in common. We're going to unpack a little bit of this. There was also another result, and it was the inspired generosity. It was not generosity that was mandated from the pulpit. It was generosity that was mandated by the power of God being evidenced in every part of their life. They were so connected to God that the very character of Jesus Christ began to be lived out of them and no one had to prod them they just simply overflowed what God had invested in them and then the third result that we see from the commonalities is there was divine expansion mentioned this last week but two years ago God gave Nola church the promise of expansion and if this is your first time here I just want you to know you stepped in today into a church that believes that God did not call us to settle in fact, we we choose and we value the fact that we're never going to settle. If we've experienced something with God, we want a little bit more of God. We're not going to stop here. We're going to keep on pushing. We're going to keep on pressing. We're going to keep on reaching for the next that God has for us. And he promised us expansion, but there are some predicates that are mandated by God that need to be in place before he can trust us with expansion. God gives us a promise that we're going to expand. And then we're like, yeah, here I go. And I start trying to expand and there's not enough of him in me to expand. And I'm stretching myself. And by the way, that's called burnout. When you hear the promise, but you try to do it on your own, you try to do it on your own strength, that's where burnout happens. But there's a right way To lean into the expansion, you have to understand that God says, "If if you're living in common and if there is inspired generosity, if you're responding to my move of my spirit in your life, I can trust you with the expansion that comes only by the power of my spirit. And this is where we're going today. I want you to look real quick at Acts chapter 2 verses 46 and 47 and just keep your Bibles open. It'll be on the screen if you don't have a real Bible or if you don't have a Bible app. But we're going to stay in in the book of Acts today and I'm going to do my best to preach quickly. Y'all believe that? Anybody believe that? I I promise I'm going to try. Acts chapter 2 verses 46 and 47. Here's what it says about the early church. Every day they continued together together already we start seeing some differences already we start to see the variation of where we are and where the early church was. Every day they continued to her, gather together by common consent in the temple courts. And notice what they were doing. They were breaking bread from house to house. And we've already unpacked this. But in case you missed it, you've got to understand. That's not just sharing meals together. That's also remembering the Lord's sacrifice. We call that communion. Or perhaps your faith expression, how you grew up, may be called receiving the Eucharist. That's what they were doing. They were going from house to house, remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. They were breaking bread from house to house, sharing their food with glad and humble hearts, praising God and notice this, having the goodwill of all the people and the Lord not themselves, not their denomination, not their church movement, not their political movement, not their favorite entertainer who's dipping into faith this week, so they can sell a few more albums this week. And the Lord was adding to their number every day. How many days a week was it happening? Eight days a week. No Beatles fans in the house? Okay, apparently not. I'm sorry. Bad jokes, bad. If you're not a Beatles fan, Jesus is reaching for you right now. See, that's what I get. I bring the Beatles up in church and spill water all over the word of God. There we go. We're good, Chris. You don't have to worry about it. God is, (laughs) I just love how we're family up in the house. (laughs) The Lord was adding to their number every day those who were being saved. Who was saving the people? You can can talk back. Who was saving the people? Were the church people saving the people? What were the church people doing? You don't have to say that out loud. They were breaking bread house to house. They were sharing their meals with glad and and, and joyful hearts. They were praising God. They were meeting together and the Lord was doing the work. All they were doing was living in community. Man, this church works just so hard. I feel like living for God is hard. You've trusted so much. No, all I'm asking you to do is do life with other believers. All I'm asking you to do is share what I put in you. Don't be afraid to worship me no matter where you go. Prioritize me in your life every day. I'll take care of the eternal stuff. You just do the right now stuff. How powerful is that, y'all? I mean, we could stop. I'm not going to, but we could stop right there. Y'all thought I was, but here we go. Let's, let, let me ask you this question. How closely does NOLA Church resemble this example that we see in the Bible? How, church, how, how, how close are we? Should we be close to this? Does it matter? Is there any importance to what we see? Here, here's the deal. We chase so many different faith ideas. We chase so many patterns. We chase the sensational. We we chase the idea of God more than we chase God himself. We chase the pop-up worship experience more than the God of the worship. We chase the trend. We chase the, the new thing. We chase the right now. But here's the deal. Are we building a community that resembles the church that Jesus built? Or are we just simply following someone else's pattern? This is where God is calling us. He's calling us to expand his kingdom. And, and over the next couple of months, we're going to be unpacking what it means to be a member of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It, it's not what we think. It, it, it looks nothing like a Sunday school service. It looks nothing like just like going through the motions of church. Being a, a member of the kingdom of God is major responsibility and there's a lot that's entrusted to every believer and there's, there's no place in the kingdom of God for someone to be half in, half out. It's time to take up our cross and walk it out with Jesus, amen? amen? But we have to understand this before we dive in. So what makes this community so different from what we see? If this is the pattern, where in the world did church get off the rails? I would say that church began to get off the rails the moment they started putting religion before the God of their religion. And we, Unfortunately, so many of us do the same thing today. I want you to jump into Acts chapter 4. I'm going to show you some things here in just three short verses that will establish what made this community different. And if every believer here, and maybe Nola Church is not your home church, and by the way, that's okay. There's great churches all over the place, and maybe you're just in town visiting, whatever it is. That's awesome. But I want you to understand this. No matter who you are as a believer, you can find yourself as a part of this community, and you can find what makes the community of Christ different. We can see this here in Acts. Look at verse uh, 33 of chapter 4. Here's what it says. With great power, everybody say power. power. The apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. What were they doing? What I'm doing right now. They were preaching scripture. Was everybody a preacher? Nope. Who were the preachers? The apostles. Who were the apostles? They used to be called disciples just like a book before these are the people that spent three and a half years walking and talking with the God of all gods as he is manifested in flesh. He's teaching them how to carry them into the next. It wasn't everybody's job to unpack the word. It was the apostles job to unpack the word. This is really important. You're going to start seeing something here. And just go ahead. This may bump you a little bit. And it's not intentional. It's not mean. It, it, this is God saying, hey, let's realign how God is designing the church. That, that makes sense? Everybody still, friend? Miss Debbie, you still love me? All right, good. I love you too. By the way, you're beautiful. She told me before church that she was beautiful. And I said, you know what? I couldn't agree more. She's awesome. With great power. The apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And notice this, and great grace was on them all. The apostles were doing their job. The congregation was doing their job. But let me unpack this. The difference of the community that Jesus built is evidence. Everybody say evidence. All right, so let's break the, there's two words that really step out here, power and grace. Let's let's unpack this. The word power in the Greek is the word dunamis, and I don't spend a lot of time speaking Greek and Hebrew, but it is the word dunamis, and this word dunamis is the same root word where we get the word dynamite. Anybody know what dynamite is? It's powerful. It's explosive. It expands. You see that that's why it's the same root word. The power that the apostles had in their life was an explosive power, but it wasn't something from science or from nature. It was an explosion of the power of the character of God in the words that they spoke because they were not speaking their ideas. They were speaking the word of God to the people who had open ears and open hearts and open lives ready to receive. And the word dunamis here simply means strength, power, and ability. One of the evidence of, of the difference that we see in this church is that the word of God was delivered with power. It wasn't just stoic information. There was power attached to what was being spoken. And there was a power of God that was evidenced in the room when it was being spoken. And there was a power of God that was anointing the ears and the lives of the people who were receiving. And the power was beginning to be evidenced in everyone's life. You said, "Well, what, what does this even look like today?" That's a fantastic question. I'll take you to the word of God in in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 ver- through all the way through chapter 14, the spiritual gifts, the part of the Bible that that a whole segment of Christianity says does not even apply to us nowadays. That is akin to just saying, hey, we don't need the power of God evidence. We would rather listen to us talk about theology. And that's why there is no radical life change happening in those settings. This is why marriages fall apart. This is why believers are finding themselves wanting to commit suicide and then actually taking that into their hands. This is why we find believers who are still addicted to alcohol and all the other vices. They're, this is the reason that we find people who know who Jesus is but continue to live and look exactly like the world because they have a form of godliness but they deny the power thereof. I don't want to be a church where the power of God is not evidenced in everything that's said and done so I I challenge you go go read first Corinthians 12 13 and 14 and if if you want to hear some sermons just go back on YouTube but we just spent like two months unpacking this toward the beginning of this year spiritual gifts are for every believer and they should be evidenced in the house but it wasn't just power that that's what was on the apostles the apostles were the ones who were entrusted with the power of God to distribute the power of God to the people there was also a grace that was on them all. And the, the, the Greek word grace here, and it's a hard word to say, so I'm not going to try to say it because y'all would laugh at me because I'd get all tank-tongled. But it simply means this, goodwill, loving kindness, and divine favor. While the apostles were carrying the heavenlies, the people were carrying the favor of God. And loving kindness. They were letting go of their judgmentalism. They were letting go of their me isms, where it was all about them. They were letting go of their preconceived notions. And they were receiving loving kindness. And goodwill was being experienced between themselves and everybody in the community and everyone they came in contact with. And the favor of God was going before them. Paving the way, opening the doors, closing the doors that need to be closed. Ooh, we don't like that part. We don't like when God starts closing doors. We keep trying to push them. He's like, no, I closed that for, for a reason. Like, that's done on purpose. I'm opening these doors. If you'd follow me, you would see that I closed that door and I opened this one. Ooh. Let the power of God be in the house, and let the people of God be filled with the grace of God. Which is goodwill, loving kindness, and favor of God. You say, well, what is that? That, That's spiritual fruit. You can see this in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit. Don't misquote it, it's not fruits of the Spirit, there's not more than one fruit. There's one fruit, there's one product of the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God is evidence in your life, there is a single product that will be there. This single product has a whole lot of variations and a whole lot of ways that it looks like, but there is a single result of the power of God. Let's go on to the next couple of verses, verses 34 and 35. Because of the great power and because of the great grace, there was no one needy among them. Hear how quiet it got. Real quick, quick show of hands. Anybody have a need in your life? Hold your hand up. Hold your hand up. Look around. We're not embarrassing anybody, we're not putting anybody on blast. But look how many needs are in the church. Now keep your hand up. I want you to see this. Don't get tired. You're carrying the need. I don't know if there's a row where there's not a need. You can put your hands down. I don't know if there's a row that there's not a need represented. The church Jesus built had so much power and evidenced in the leadership and so much grace evidenced in the community that there were no needs. How closely do we resemble the first century church? Is there a difference? Which one do you want? Needs or power? Needs, grace. Religion or evidence? I don't know about you, but I'm not satisfied to just go through the motions. I'm not okay with the fact that 99.999% of us have needs in our life. So is it possible that we're doing something not the way he designed it? And if so, what do we do about it? There were no needs. There was no one needy among them because, notice this, because those who were owners of land and houses were selling them and bringing the proceeds from the sales and placing them at the apostles' feet. Now let me touch back into last week's sermon because right there, Religious people are like, he's asking us to sell our stuff. No, I'm not. (laughs) Keep your stuff. That's your stuff. I don't need your stuff. I got my own stuff. I got four daughters. I got tons of stuff. Do you need some stuff? Because I got some stuff. All right. You will not find any place in the Bible where anyone stood in a position of leadership and told them to do this. The moment it becomes mandated, that is the moment God is not in it. Because he says, if you have to tell them to do it, they're not trusting my spirit. What I would rather do is just close my mouth and let his spirit speak, let his word speak. Amen, that sounds much better? There was no one needy. Why were there no one needy? Because they were selling their stuff and bringing it to the apostles. Who told them to do it? The spirit of God was so evidenced in them That they surrendered their own agendas and their own minds and their own opinions to the will and agenda of the holy God himself. And they said, we're going to do whatever it takes to be the church. Notice this. God is not the one mandating this. This is their overflow to the evidence of what they have already experienced. There's something else I want you to see here. Where were they bringing the proceeds? They were placing them at the, at the apostles' feet. That doesn't mean that while he was preaching they were dropping money on the, on the platform. I've been in experiences where that happened. Don't do that. Don't. That's weird. Don't do it. I don't need my shoes polished. I don't need you to come up and pat me on the back. I don't need you to drop your walk. No. 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 Weird. Don't. This is a phraseology that demonstrates not simply placing this at someone's feet. This is saying, I am entrusting these proceeds to you. Does that make sense? They weren't literally dropping the, like the apostles walking the road. That's not what was happening. They were saying, look, I have this. There are needs. I want to be a part of meeting them. I'm going to sell it, and then I'm going to entrust it to the person who is carrying the power. See that? Let me unpack this a little bit further. The proceeds were distributed to each as anyone had need. And the first response is, oh, they were living on a commune. No, they actually weren't. Because remember just a, a few verses before they were going house to house. They had resources, they had responsibility, they had stuff. They were meeting each other's needs because it was the overflow of the power that they were receiving from the word of God being preached by people who had been entrusted, the handling and the facilitation of the power, and the grace of God was so strong on them that they couldn't help but overflow. And they said, how do we do this? There needs to be divine order because, you see, the early church was very on being close to the, the, the order that God had put in place. And they said the only place that we can trust this is through the people that God is entrusting his word to. Notice the difference. Because you see, today, we heap unto ourselves teachers having itching ears saying, tell me what I want to hear. Tell me what I like. Tell me what makes me feel good. Preach to me the thing that makes me believe what I already believed before I ever walked into the church instead of challenging me. And so what we have in religion today is we have a bunch of people that believe that they are the ones who hold the power and the grace of God is not evidenced. And generosity gets stifled and there is no trust in place. Notice this, the difference with the power and the grace was evidence. But the difference in the radical generosity was trust. Everybody say trust. First, they trusted each other. They trusted and they shared their needs with each other. I'm going to trust you enough to tell you what's going on in my life. Not to gossip about myself, but to say I have needs in my life. I trust you enough to be real and honest with you. Instead of putting up a religious facade where where I make you think that everything's okay when my entire life is falling apart behind the scenes. I trust you with my real junk. And then they also trusted each other to meet their needs. I wish God would do this for me. How close are you to other believers? Because more than likely God is going to meet that need in your life through somebody you might be sitting on the row with. Well, the only time I need to see believers is on Sunday because that's the only time I have time. to. The needs that you expressed earlier will stay unmet Because God chooses to meet those needs through his community. Not only did they trust each other, they trusted the leaders. The moment someone starts talking like this, people say, well, this is a self-serving sermon because you're the leader. This has nothing to do with me. But notice what happened here. They trusted the leaders. They trusted the apostles, the people who had been entrusted by God himself to facilitate the power. They trusted them to facilitate the distribution. Well, I'll do it if you do it my way. God says, do it. Knock yourself out. Have fun. Call me when you need me. Could it be that there are so many needs in the church because A, we don't trust each other, and B, we don't trust our leaders? And it got quiet. Could it be that that difference is what's stopping us from walking into the expansion that God has prepared for us. Is anybody in the house that God has given a promise to that's remaining unfulfilled? Could it be that it hasn't been fulfilled because there is a blockage in the trust area? We need to learn to trust each other and we need to learn to trust the leaders. Let me give you three ways that NOLA Church has to be different. We can't go through the motions. We can't just be another religious organization. We can't just be another group of people checking a religious box. We can't just be another group of people saying, oh, I believe, I know who Jesus is, but yet nothing in our life resembles Jesus. There's a lot of ways to do it, but I'm going to highlight three that we see here in this text. Anybody learning anything today? Anybody feel like you came in like, man, that's exactly what I need to hear? How many of y'all feel like I didn't want to hear that? Put your hand. don't, Don't tell me that. Three ways NOLA Church must be different. Number one, there has to be evidence. There has to be evidence. There has to be power and there has to be grace. If I'm not preaching this with anointing, I need to sit down. We have two pastoral families that are on our pastoral team, soon to be a third one. But when they speak into your life, if what they're speaking isn't laced and flavored with the anointing that comes from the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, they need to check and reexamine their lives. Today's group Sunday, we're launching 14 groups going into the fall. I'm excited about this. They they range from all kinds of stuff. But if our small group leaders are just wanting to connect with other people, there's not going to be any anointing. There will be no life change. So group leaders... Make sure every time you get ready to, before you go meet with your group, you better get on your knees and find the mouth of God. You need to get on your knees and you need to find the will of God. You need to get on your knees and get into the Word of God. I, you might be going and like writing songs. You might be doing sweating with the oldies, whatever it is that they do in that warehouse. I don't know what they do. I don't want to be a part of it, but like whatever. You need to find God before you go sweat. Michael and Philip are going to be doing like a a skateboard and like walking and unicycling group. I I don't know if unicycles are welcome. Are unicycles welcome? Sure, sure. unicycles. Okay, you don't want to see your pastor on a skateboard. That would not be a pretty picture at all. In case you don't know, people over 50 should not. Oh, did y'all forget that I was over 50? You know, when you're over 50, you learn so many things. And I've learned that skateboards are not designed for someone as rotund as myself. My center of gravity is off kilter, and I get on it and I'm like, whoa! It's not a good thing. But, Michael, before you and Philip go out there and do whatever it is that y'all do at City Park, I want you to get into the Word of God. Because we're not just connecting for the sake of connecting. We're getting together to not only share life with each other, but to also say, isn't it good what God has already done? Hey, do you remember what Jesus did in your life? Have you seen what he's done in my life? Hey, how can we, do you have needs? Why don't we meet the needs? There's got to be some evidence. There's got to be power. There's got to be grace. Every time we gather together, there's got to be a passion for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There's got to be a daily dependence on the Holy Spirit. I am sick and tired of going through the motions where the power of God is not there if God is not falling in the house we need to shut it down and do something different if people are not receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost let's shut this mother down and start over from scratch because I want somebody to be filled with the power of God and I don't want to just come to church on Sunday get my Jesus fix and twitch a little bit and then go home I want to wake up in the morning and say, I can't get through today without the breath of God breathing into me. The problem is, is so many believers have gotten away from that commonality of experience and that personal encounter that we see in Acts 2. That they've begun to convince themselves that they can live without the power of God in their life. Let me just tell you, in case no one's ever told you, and I'm not mad at anybody, I'm not coming for anybody, but baby, you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and you need to speak in tongues as the Spirit begins to give you the utterance. You don't need to manufacture it. You don't need to go through the motions with it. You don't need to fake it, but you need God breathing into your life. Well, that's not for me. Yes, it is. It's for you. It's for your children. It's for all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. You need the Holy Ghost. I feel like Oprah. You need the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. I, I get the Holy Ghost, but I just, i that's the problem. You think you can make it without God breathing into you. You can't. That's why you're leaning on that daily affirmation that you get from other people. That's why you're so dependent on your feelings and your emotions. That's why everything that happens in life completely derails you. Someone cuts you off in traffic, and all the words that come out of your mouth don't even resemble God because you're the one who's living. It's not God. Something doesn't go your way and you get so pissed off that you go off and do your own thing. I'd say it nicer, but that's exactly what happens. It's because you're not dependent on God. You're living on your own strength, baby. You need the Holy Ghost. You need the power of the divine rocking and moving in your life every day. When you get out of bed, you need God giving you like... The world that we live in is falling apart. Who are we to think that we can do it without the divine? That's not what the early church did. That's what the modern and the postmodern church does. Oh, we got this, God. Hey, you do your God thing. We'll do our religious thing. Dominus, obidus, ebitus, Okay, just so no one thinks I'm making fun of one group. Father God, we just... I just want to soak in his presence for the next 10 minutes and then go live as if I've never even read the word of God. I just, I I want to enjoy my little praise and worship song right before I go get my glass of Chardonnay because I've had a really long day. You are in the presence of God, and you need something that numbs your senses? What happened to the church? Well, that's not my conviction. So? It's his word. That's not my interpretation. Pete, what is it that you said that the word of God is not open for private interpretation? Yeah, that's what I thought you said. And we wonder why the power of God is not evidenced in our lives. I'll pray for you. And then we say prayers and nothing happens. The counsel that comes out of our mouth is not even touching the word of God because there is no power. And there is no grace. Hey, it's time to get in the presence of God and say, not my will, but thy will be done. I'm not enough on my own. I've got to make room for God in my story. Hey, wash me completely of everything that is me so that I can be filled with everything that is you. Does this makes sense? And that's just the first one. The second one is overflow. Everybody say overflow. What is overflow? It's generosity. Overflow is generosity. They shared their resources. In verse 32 of chapter four, no one thought their stuff was their own. That's the new living money interpretation. Nobody's stuff belonged to them. If I got it, Joe, do you need it? If I got it, you can have it. Seriously. I got some American girl dolls that have been sitting in, in my garage they were protected from the storm because they were in watertight bins. If you want them, you got them. I don't need them. I promise you, I don't have room in the garage. Jody, you need an American Girl dog? If you do, we're going to talk about the that's a whole other conversation we need to have. <laughs> but if I've got it, you can have it. I'm just afraid that I'm going to run out. But what about mine? What about my needs? You missed it. Who's going to meet my needs? The person that you're overflowing into is going to turn around and overflow back into you. And while you're overflowing here, the person over here is going to say, oh, they have needs. Let me over. Well, that ain't happened. That's because you're not living in community and you're not depending on the power of the Holy Spirit. You're trying to be your own source. You got to learn to share your resources. Here, Here's how it works. Well, I give to people under the bridge all the time. You missed it. First, the resources are shared within the body. That's biblical. Before you give to the homeless person you see on the street, you better meet the need of the person that's sitting in the room with you. First, within the body. Then, with the lost in the area that you've been entrusted, then you got to learn to reach around the world. See, it's easy to reach around the world and drop $9.95 a month into an envelope and send it across the world with no responsibility of what happens And the person sitting down the row from you is going through absolute hell. But because you're not in community, you have no idea what's going on in their life. God says, thank you for your gift to the people on the other side of the world. But why don't you just reach two seats over and take a hand of a brother or sister that's living in hell right now. There's got to be overflow that's biblical in its foundation. Social justice is not godly. Wokeism is not godly. Cultural relativism is not godly. Politics is definitely not godly. And if you're depending on those things to fix the world's problem, that's why the world continues to drift further and further and further and further from God. Let's go on to number three. Everybody say trust. Trust. What is trust? I got trust issues. No, what you have is community issues. You're not surrounded by people who are holding you accountable to the character of Christ. They're holding you accountable to your own behavior. That's why accountability partners are not godly. I'm not supposed to stop you from doing bad things. I'm supposed to hold you accountable to what we both agree is the word of God. Trust is all about community. So first, got to learn to trust your community with your needs Then the tough one, y'all ready? This is the tough one and then I'm done. Then you have to trust that the leaders are actually hearing from God. Here's the deal, y'all. If you don't believe that I'm on my face before the throne trying to get a word for you every Sunday, you don't need to follow me anymore. If what I'm preaching cannot find foundation here, you don't need to listen to a word that's coming out of my mouth. Because I'm going to challenge you. Isaac told me he's never been challenged so much in his life since he started coming to Nola Church. You're welcome. Love you. I'm glad you're here. And by the way, you challenged me the other night when we were sharing, well, I was eating a burger. You were looking at me like you were healthy. But when we went to Mercado's, I saw what you got. You got some little sweetsy, sweetsy. Linda, he, he got some sweets before he came home to eat your food. I love him, so I got to tell the truth. But Isaac challenged me. We're sitting at the table outside the burger joint, just all the fellas just enjoying what we do, talking and laughing and and having. He says, Pastor, when are we going to Ghana? I was like, I didn't know we were going to Ghana. He starts telling me about his country. And I'm not going to lie to you, I've never wanted to go to Ghana in my entire life. I can't get Ghana off my mind now. I can't, yeah, exactly, I laugh too, but. (laughs) Because you challenged me, we should challenge each other, but here's the deal, if you don't trust that I am hearing from God, you need to find another church. And no offense involved in that, if you don't believe that I am speaking what God has put in me, you should definitely want to find another church. Let me know where you're going, because I'm probably going to show up. But if you do believe that I'm hearing from God, why don't you check the attitude? Why don't you check the agenda and say, word of God, speak. Jesus, if you're trusting your power to the leadership that you've put in place, I'm gonna trust them. Because if if what we say is based here, there will be evidence in what we're saying, even if it's a challenge, amen? So here's the deal. Let's be real. There is a difference between the Book of Acts church and NOLA church. I'm not okay with that. Anybody else not okay with that? Y'all with me? Y'all ready to do what it takes to look like this? You sure? Are you, Donnie, you ready to be Book of Acts? How many more community walks can your bad back handle? Every one of them. If we're going to do what God has called us and designated us to do. There's going to be some things that we're going to know that we've hit that mark when these things happen. Number one, we live in unity. No more division. I don't care how they used to do it. No more division. I don't care what your opinion is. I don't care what my opinion is. No more division. I don't care what the the podcast said. I don't care what the celebrity pastor said. I I don't care. I'm pretty sure they're good people, but I don't care. No more division. We have to live in unity. The next way that we will know that we're the church that Jesus built is when we begin to overflow resources without anybody having to prod us. It just naturally overflows. Hey, you need something? I got you. Let's walk this out together. Because when it has to be mandated, that's religion or politics and God's in neither. But he is in breathing his spirit in and impressing us as we live in unity to simply overflow. And then the third way that we're going to know that we are the church that Jesus built is when he begins to provide divine expansion. I don't know about you, but I am not satisfied. In fact, I will never be satisfied with what we are managing right now. I challenge my kids every day of their lives. They get tired of hearing it, but I'm going to keep challenging them because I don't want them to settle. And those of you that get close to me, I'm never going to be satisfied with just letting you ride the pine. Because there's more in your life. Actually, there's more in your life than just simply opening the door for people when they get to church on Sunday and going to a school that you don't necessarily enjoy. There's a whole lot more in you than that because when you begin to pray, God begins to speak through you. I've been around you when you're praying in the altar and the power of God is emanating through you and there's something that God wants to do in your life and I'm not gonna stop until the expansion happens. I refuse to settle where I am. I'm not gonna sit on this side of Jordan. I'm going to the next thing God has for us. Anybody with me? Anybody ready to be the church that Jesus built? Why don't we stand to our feet? Jesus, right now as a collective body, We surrender everything that we are, everything in our minds that we thought we knew about you, God. We surrender it to you right now because you are the author and the finisher of our faith. Not some church father, not some religious thing, God. You are the author and finisher of our faith. So Jesus, right now, we surrender everything that we are to everything that you are. And as a body of believers, we're going to make room for you to move in us. Here's what I want you to do. No matter where you are, everybody close your eyes. Nobody looking around. I know, I know some of you got to leave. Just give us about five more minutes here. Every hand in the building raised. It may not be your practice, but I'm gonna ask you to be in a place of unity with us right now. Why, why raise our hands? Number one, it's in the Bible. Number two, it's the sign of surrender. Jesus, I surrender myself to you. I surrender my agendas to you. Lord, I surrender my hurts. I surrender all of my pain to you. I surrender all the things that I thought that I knew. I surrender it all to you right now. God, I pray that in the name of Jesus, that as I'm making room for you in my life, Lord, that your spirit would begin to fill me. And I'm making the dedication today. I may not understand. I may not even agree, God, but I'm making the dedication today that wherever your spirit leads, Lord, that's where I'm going to go. Wherever your spirit takes me, God, that's where I'm going to walk. Whatever you designate me to do, God, that's where I'm going. Is anybody with me today? Come on, let's begin to fill after the Lord right now. God, we make room for you right now. We make room for you right now, Jesus.